We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. friends welcome to pod maverick after dark this is kirk henderson and josh bow and a baby joining you after the dallas mavericks defeated the utah jazz in one of the most vicious drubbings i have seen maybe maybe since the time they beat the crap out of the clippers whether that was last year two years ago i don't remember 147 to 97 they defeated the utah jazz i'm joined as always by Josh Bow, my co-editor-in-chief over at Mavs Moneyball. Josh, what's going on? I'm doing pretty good. Um, just, just re- I was trying not to laugh into the microphone because uh, right before we went live, you asked me to help you tweet out the uh, YouTube link um, since obviously you have your hands full. And I didn't click away from – like as I loaded the URL, I didn't mute it. So as I'm trying to tweet it, I'm basically hearing our intro music twice because it's playing you know through our our studio recording here uh, in Streamyard, and also on youtube and it sounded like a, a high school jazz band falling down the stairs <laughs> and i was trying really hard not to laugh uh but i feel like that's a perfect way to start I've done that. the mavericks win by 50 games or 50, 50 points, points. 50 and points. i i want to say that this is the jazz's 50th season something like that because <laughs> One of their uh, beat writers, I think his name's Andy Larson, tweeted out the photo, like the 50th anniversary graphic, and he, he said, I don't think this is what we meant by 50. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So, God, after that really, you know, you were uh, you had a social engagement on Saturday, and like any person should on the second night of a back-to-back, not really expecting much of the Dallas Mavericks when they played the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder, and you then missed the ability to talk about the craziest loss <laughs> that I can remember. But it was, it was really something. And, and, you know, that was on Saturday nights. So then we had Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, 
three days to just sort of stew. Felt like and, a mini all-star break. <laughs> well, I mean, and it's just like this. I, I appreciate the NBA tournament stuff because they're trying something new. Mm-hmm. But then what kind of comes after this is, is you know, we have a couple more days. Mavs play on Friday. But I think this is essentially the start of something like 14 games in 23 days. And well, it's, they just, it's. They just played six games in 16 days. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's truly remarkable what's about to happen to these Mavericks. That said, you know, Luka Doncic in his post-game interview with, with Jeff Skin Wade kind of summed it up rather nicely. It was like he cursed on air, and I think he came out and said, you know, we can't come out and fuck around. And taking care <laughs> of the Jazz like this, and granted, the Jazz were missing three starters. Like it was, and they're this, already the, bad with those three starters. For the yes, most part. The, this game was sort of written in the stars with how you know what was going to happen during the game. And the Mavericks came out early. Luca just—I mean, his numbers since having a kid. I saw a tweet earlier. <laughs> yes. Are he—he's scoring thirty-eight dish like dishing thirteen assists and grabbing fifteen rebounds. Yeah, like, what? What do you well, do, like? What do you do against this guy when he's really, really locked in? Yeah, all while he's made eleven of twenty-five from three, almost fifty percent. Um, only eleven turnovers, <sighs> shooting like fifty-three percent from the field uh, overall. Like he's just—I mean, we all predicted this, right? Like it's, but it's it's this like is a, this is a real theory. It's proven now the the NBA dad power up. It happened to Dorian Finney Smith a couple years ago. Now it's happening to Luca. It's just I feel like it's a fact of life now. If you have a baby in the NBA, you're gonna play like a god for at least uh, a, a handful of games afterwards. And this was really remarkable <laughs> because it was one thing to watch him activate. You know what happened? What what the Thunder did? And Matthew and I talked about this. Matthew really did an excellent job in that podcast, by the way. What the Thunder did was really go to the extreme of like the the basketball Overton window about how you guard Luka Doncic. They threw a double at him every stinking possession. And ooh, hello. He does not like does not like doubles. Here, I'll mute for a second. Okay. Yeah. Uh. And it felt like, yeah, they, they doubled him a ton. The Thunder did. Uh, and and that what was so nice about that game was what I wrote about was Lively scoring on four on threes, which is like not something that I thought he had in his bag right now. So that was pretty cool. Um, and tonight it felt like they didn't double him. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't feel like they doubled him at all. Uh, it was almost like they watched that Thunder tape and were like, uh, we're just going to switch. We're gonna hedge and we're gonna switch, and so he just killed them from three. Uh, you know, hit six of twelve from three, killed them from the perimeter, killed them uh, on switches against smaller players. Um, I mean, he was he was dialed in uh, from from the moment uh, the game started, and it was cool to see how the Mavericks handled the two different defensive strategies, the double teaming. Against OKC, and then you know, playing a switch, the Utah Jazz kind of switching against him. But it was, yeah, he was awesome. Uh, and it was cool to see him. I mean, like 29 point triple double in the first half. That's the first time a player has ever had a t- triple double and a half with 25 points or more. 
Uh, and he did it with 29, which was pretty awesome. So this was one of the best games he's ever, I mean, he's played a lot of awesome games. So I'm kind of losing count of all of his awesome games, but this was definitely one of the best games he's ever played in his career, I think. And really, if, if the score was any closer, I mean, he didn't play the fourth quarter. So like, if this was in any shape or form a close game, I mean, the numbers might have been bananas for him tonight. You okay? Oh yeah, you know, just uh, it, it's it's so funny because you know kids just do whatever the heck they want. Um, <laughs> you know, night nighttime is definitely witching hour. I'm a month in, and things are going things are going pretty good. It's just funny. He's so pissy tonight. I don't know why. Um, he 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 gave a lot of the the Chris Dunn face to me just then, where he was just like, <laughs> so. But what that's why it's like the the two games back to back, and I'm glad you talked about what Luca did there. It was so interesting because it's it's essentially shows you the two options that you have, which are throwing doubles at him, or uh, you know letting him go one on one and see what happens. And there's really no other alternative, particularly when you don't have you know, a, a series of wing defenders to sort of wear him down over time. That was yeah. really what was, what was really remarkable. So that, that part was pretty fun. What else did you, did you like about this game besides the Luca of it all? Uh, oh boy, where to start? I mean, everyone in the starting lineup had at least a plus minus of plus 26. Um, I think the common uh, storyline coming out of this game, besides from Luca is going to be Dante Exum who probably had the best two of nine shooting uh, best game ever while shooting two of nine from the floor and scoring only five points. He had seven assists, six rebounds, two steals, zero turnovers. And he really felt like the, I mean, it's kind of a cliche term now, but like the connector between from the stars and the other role players. And it was really impressive to see him in the starting lineup with Luca Kyrie, Derek Jones Jr. And just kind of fit and, Granted, it's the Jazz, and it's a depleted Jazz team at that. So it's hard to want to take away too much from a singular performance. But Exum's kind of been that guy most of the season. And, yeah, he's done it He's done it mostly against other backups. Um, a lot of the lineups he's in, basically almost every lineup he's in that's played a decent chunk of possessions or minutes has, has been positive. I don't think that's a coincidence, although it definitely helps that most of the lineups he plays in are against other opposing teams bench units but it's starting to get to a point where the data might become a little overwhelming where the mavericks might feel like they have a difficult decision to make well i don't know if it's difficult it's a good decision to make when you've got players playing well that might be forcing their way into a more prominent role in the rotation but you know nothing against grant williams but this starting lineup with exum and and jones lively luca and Doncic, everyone just seems to fit into place really well um, there's probably not enough spot up shooting because Exum is just, he is not, he cannot shoot. Uh, his form is pretty busted and relying on Jones jr. To be like the other floor spacer besides Kyrie. When Luca has the ball, I don't know long-term how much that could survive. I was talking with Matthew Phillips, our staffer in Slack. And he was like, against a good team, a good team will, will be better prepared to handle Exum on the offensive end. Like they'd be able to take advantage of his lack of shooting, but against these bad teams, man, it looks great. Cause he's big. He's so, uh, he's so smart with the ball and making the extra pass and making reads off secondary actions. You know, he was pegged as like a starting point guard coming into the draft. And I think that's where he's kind of faltered being like a lead guy. Sure. 
able to be a guy, like a floater uh, next to Kyrie and Luca, I feel like is really accentuating his strengths and, and lowering his weaknesses. And it, it works right now. I don't know if it's going to be a long-term starting lineup decision because I don't think C. Grant Williams leaving the starting lineup anytime soon. But he was awesome. I mean, he was, he felt like the the next story besides Luca. Like his his fingerprints were all over this game, both defensively uh, and moving the ball on offense. Sorry, I'm just having. This is really funny. You're okay, I, I can keep going. Yeah, do you want me to just keep going? Well, he's just he's he's just very disagreeable this evening. Um, <laughs> yeah, really, I, I apologize, podcasters, uh, those who are le- watching on video. Hopefully, the audio doesn't come through quite the same. But the the thing that I always get struck by when I watch um, uh, Exum on the floor is, and, and this might be kind of a Mavericks problem at large, is just how much bigger he is than yes. the other players. Yes. And maybe that's because Kyrie's six two. Maybe that's because Josh Green is six three and a half, and not very, you know. It, it, and Grant Williams is six five at best, like this. But it just he looks like a bigger player, and like the bigger ball handler stuff. It just it helps eliminate a lot of the the problems. I mean, it, at least against worse teams. And yeah. I know you had this conversation with Matt Moore at like three in the morning um, after the <laughs> Friday night game, where it's just it's it's like you gotta find ways to to you know the fact that the Mavericks are beating bad teams I don't think we're putting enough um emphasis on why that's important because if you want to make the playoffs or the plan let's assume there are 30 teams in, I mean there are 30 teams in the league <laughs> if if you assume that the Mavericks on any given night are better than 20 of them that means you should win most of the games you play mm-hmm. so does it suck that the Mavericks can't beat a good team? Yes. That Lakers win is about the only one they have, and I still don't know how to feel about the Los Angeles Lakers. But it is what it is. You kind of got to go with what, what the teams that you're putting in front of you. So through 20 games, the Mavericks are 12-8. and eight. Where do they sit in the standings right now? Can, can you tell me? They are above the – they were sixth entering tonight. So let me double check real quick. They are now fourth. So, um, they but are, they're they're above kind of the play in line. They're above the the. They're definitely barely. The, 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 the Suns are seventh at twelve and nine. So, so it's really jumbled from like I mean the Thunder are thirteen and seven. I mean, there's a bunch of teams with seven to ten losses. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so there's definitely going to be. I feel like it's going to end up like last season, where it feels like the difference between like third and tenth is like a handful. Like barely a handful of games, um, well, so they so a loss could definitely like put them into eighth, uh, you know. But it, but yeah, they're solidly a playoff team because the Warriors are currently eleventh, and they're nine and eleven, uh, so under five hundred. And then after the, the Jazz are now are twelfth at seven and fourteen, so they're they're clear of the of you know missing the play in for sure. So I'm going to tell you why I care about that. When I come back here in just a second here. So, oh, so angry. So angry. Um, one of the things that's that I, I, I do on the show just about every time is we talk about who uh, we talk about, you know, going down and hitting that like button, hitting the subscribe button, you know, becoming basically a part of the, the su- subscribers to Pod Maverick. It's something that Josh and I are pushing forward this year. We would also really like it if after the show you could go and leave a comment on the actual YouTube video itself. That sort of thing very much helps Josh and I. 
and we'll be right back uh, after a brief break, at least audio listeners. You'll hear this on your podcast feed that we'll be going to add. So thanks so much. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, so the main reason that I really care about that 20 and 8 thing has to do with the fact that several years ago, I want to say it was like three or four years ago, John Schulman, who's the head writer for um, NBA.com, essentially went through and he, oh, hello, baby retrieval, um, essentially went through and did a whole, like, very big study on playoff teams and was able to figure out that the first 20 games are remarkably indicative of what happens for a team's entire season. Um, and with that, you know, if you're in the playoffs with, at, at the 20 game mark, you tend to stick there the entire year, unless something really goes awry with your season. Yeah. They mentioned that on the broadcast and Devin Harris was quick to mention that funny enough, the Utah jazz last season started 12 and eight. Uh, and they did not make the play in or the playoffs, so that was kind of funny. But yes, it's like it's like ninety, yeah, ninety percent of the teams that have twelve wins in the first twenty games, basically yes. your playoff lock. Yeah, right. And so that was just it was something I've been keeping my eye on, but didn't talk about prior to tonight mm-hmm. uh, because I didn't want to jinx it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but that's where you know notching these low sort of low rent wins is is pretty important. You know, they play. Um, who do they play on? Friday they play the the Portland Trailblazers. Portland Trailblazers. Yeah, these are yeah, they're they're they've got the cupcake trio. Uh, they are catastrophically bad. It's like <laughs> them, the uh, San Antonio Spurs, and the Detroit Pistons are just atrocious. And so the Mavericks getting a win there would obviously be helpful too. And it's just like you want to stack these wins to where if you go on a three game losing streak, it's a little more. It's not like acceptable, but it helps sort of cushion the blow with with how long the season is, if that well, makes sense. Well, yeah. Well, hell, it it already they already did withstand the blow, right? Like they lost, um, they lost three out of six their last six games. I think, uh, yeah. What they lost, they lost three out of their last four, four or five, and then they lost five out of their last seven. Mm-hmm. And they're still 12, you know, they get a win and they're 12 and eight because they yep. started the season eight and two because they kicked the crap out of the Spurs, the Nets, the Grizzlies, the Bulls, the Hornets, uh, the Clippers when they were down bad after the James Harden trade, the Pelicans when they were down bad when they had, you know, no injuries and they kicked the crap out of the Wizards. That's why you do that because then when you lose to the Bucks and the Kings uh, and the Thunder, it doesn't, 
standings wise, at least it doesn't really hurt you that bad in terms of how you're going to get, uh, you know, in terms of wanting to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So it's just nice. I mean, it, you know, it was funny. Um, I saw somebody tweet uh, Nick Angstad a locked on Mavericks where it's like, talk about positive shit, bro, which is just going to be, it's just going to be a meme for the rest of the year. Thanks. Thanks, Jason kid. Um, and other, like I, I sort of like struggle with what to talk about in this game. You know, what, what did you think of their defense? Because I thought the first half, it was still pretty terrible. <laughs> it just didn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, defensively, I think it, I mean, this is such a weird game to judge them defensively on. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> jazz starting lineup, John Collins, uh, Keontae George, uh, this guy named o- Omer Yurt Seven. Mm-hmm. Um, good lord, I can't pronounce the other guy's name either. Simone Simone Font- Fontacio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's just a grab bag of of, of names. So I, I don't know how much uh, this is a game that you can be like the Mavericks defense is fixed. Uh, there was definitely some issues in the first half with closeouts and blow bys and rotations, which I think is just that's just going to be a problem with this team with the way it's constructed. Uh, they need to try to limit the damage, and they did tonight. And when the shots are, I mean, and when the shots are falling, this team, I mean, this is one of those teams where their confidence really rides on the offensive end of the floor. And I feel like they're just so much more locked in when they get a shot. I feel like this is a team that really kind of hangs its head on defense when they're, when the offense isn't going their way. So, you know, obviously tonight, once they were rolling, it was just once they got the, the, the boulder rolling downhill, I mean, there was just really, really felt like there was no stopping it. Um, especially since the jazz are so undermanned. Um, yeah. So yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's hard from like, you know, I don't know if they did anything different on defense tonight. I don't know if I was watching attentively I, enough, but yeah. I watched enough of the penetration where Lively is, is and Lively's just so big and defenders are doing a really nice job attacking over him uh, and throwing, you know, lob passes to cutters as they come down the line. And like, that's the stuff that pisses me off as a, as a lapsed big man myself, where it's just like, you got to <laughs> have help. If Lively's stepping up and somebody's cutting from the backside, there's always, it's like at least one Mav is like usually sitting there going, huh? and, and it just, it, that you know really really kind of like just frustrates me but i'm not really sure that there's too much to to do about it with the lineups that they have i mean one of the things we've not talked about yet just because it hasn't come up yet is josh green has a mysterious uh, uh shooting elbow sprain <laughs> <laughs> yeah again and again like i can't we can't emphasize this enough guys ha- think about how many elbow sprains you've ever heard of um i might reach out to our, our friend who does the injury blog to ask about this because shooting arm sprains are just weird i don't know like how he did it i don't remember him hurting it but you know it's like like i wonder if if josh green being out sort of forces some clarification within some of these these lineups i i I think they feel obligated to play him because they paid him. And now if he's hurt for a couple of weeks, it allows some of this stuff to sort of come out in the wash because you don't, you have to play Jaden Hardy a couple of minutes. You have to play Dante Exum over 20 minutes a game. You know, I'm, I'm God, Dante Exum had five, six and seven. That's pretty amazing. Um, Sorry. I, I got, I got confused for a moment. So, I don't know. It's it's is. Do you think there's anything to that, or am I being an ass about Josh Green as per the usual? No, I, I do think the injury is weird. I mean, I don't. We've been doing this a long time. I don't know how many elbow injuries we've seen, let alone mm-hmm. get. He's now gotten it 
twice in two years, and both times they've been like multi-week absences. Um, that's weird. The only t- I'll be honest, the only time I can remember an NBA player getting an elbow injury was Dirk when he got uh, the Carl Landry teeth uh, into his elbow when, uh, you know, I think he was swinging elbows or something and and hit, got Landry in the mouth and mm-hmm. he got that a tooth, he got a tooth oh stuck in Dirk's elbow. Yes. Um, so, but again, that's more just like kind of random. This The fact that it's two straight years, it's like, is this a chronic thing is there something going on with his elbow but that's a little weird but hey it allowed the mavericks to these last two games try some different things um and when you're in a little bit of a losing streak uh i don't i mean it, it helps to be able to maybe try some new lineups try some new players try this to is an incredible deep cut yeah. josh green shoots like he's rick and keel if you oh, understand that reference my god any <laughs> Bobby says he's going to need Tommy John surgery. God, I hope not. You know how fucking bad that would be? Yeah. Uh, Let's not like, worry about I, that. I, I, lo- <laughs> like, I love to hate on Josh Green, but I also think the Mavericks need the things he provides when he's doing well. You know? Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So is there, all right. So I, I think we kind of, we're, we're done with this game. Is there anything else that, <laughs> that you really want to touch on from anything from the last few days? Or are we just sort of, kind of at a spot where we should call it call it quickly for the night uh maybe uh i i mean i don't know why people i think there was such an emotional reaction to that thunder loss just because of how heartbreaking it was but like it was a lot like that was a schedule loss like it was kind of weird how there was a lot of skies falling after that game, considering the Mavericks were missing like four out Going of up six, six players, hurts. I know, I know. And but- and there was a complete like kid. Like on the one hand, I really appreciate how kid rode with all the guys who got them back into the game, but then they had the lead, and he let the same guys stay. In the moment, once like like when you're playing from behind, I don't know if you remember this from when you were a kid. When I played NBA Jam, when I was in like fifth grade. If you got down by like 100 points, you could just start shooting full court jumpers and the computer would put you back into the game because it wanted a close game. The Mavericks willed themselves back into it. And then it was like, oh shit, we're back into it. There's four minutes left. We still have to figure out how to do this. And everything just really went south from there. Like Lucas travel wasn't great, but it is what it is. But then there were like a couple of other plays by... um, who was it? it? Lawson had a couple of struggle bus plays after being absolutely imperative to getting them back into it. Yep. And it's just, I sort of wish in hindsight, I didn't think this at the time. I didn't think this at that night that kid had put in a steadier hand at that point. Cause like Lawson was playing over his skis. That's a lot to ask of a, of a G league guy, even if he's an older player. Probably didn't want to touch. I mean, <laughs> Hey, when a lineup gets you a 30 run, it's probably tough to want to make a substitute. No, I agree. I agree. Wanna, right. Yeah. Right. They just so. ran us, and it, you know, I mean, they should have lost that game by thirty, and I don't think anyone would have really batted an eyelash at it, considering it was second out of back to back, and they were missing, you know, half their rotation. So the fact that they could have won it and didn't doesn't really, I don't know, it, it doesn't really change the the kind of expectation level that I have on the team or or anything like that. But yeah, hey, three nights off. Definitely helped this team a lot. Play the playing a bad jazz team. You can really see it in the three point shooting. They were twenty two of forty nine. Fresh legs uh, definitely is a cure for for bad three point shooting because I feel like they haven't had a good three point shooting game in a couple of weeks. 
so this, that was another good sign, I think. Tonight. I agree with that. Like Luca's man, Luca's three point shooting is nuts. It really is. I mean, six of twelve tonight, five of thirteen the other night, three of ten before that, then one of eight. Like he went through a stretch, um, kind of during the Thanksgiving stretch where he was really bad from three. And now it's back up. I mean, the man, like, what is he shooting from three? It's it's just it's beyond preposterous. 32, not he's if you're rounding up, the man is averaging 32, nine and nine. Like, what the hell? Which is basically what he was doing last season. <laughs> no, he did 32, eight and eight. Uh, and so it's like you're up a one full thing while (laughs) while your usage is down because his usage is down man 3.8 turnovers anyways he's shooting 39.5 percent three for the year yeah it's one of those things i wrote about his rim rate the other day uh Mm. because it's it's pretty low it's i mean pretty low it's it's a career low it's far and away the lowest but if he keeps making threes i mean it doesn't really matter um but i mean that's a conversation for another day about yeah. about that, but not after the Mavericks win by 50 points. We'll see. Just great. Well, I can't really think of anything else to talk about. I kind of don't want to beat any dead horses into the ground. Uh, we got a pretty high viewer count in here. Thanks, guys, for uh, for hanging out with us a little bit. Um, I'll do better next game. Um, we'll see. I have kind of an interesting rest of December. Josh might be podcasting alone a few times <laughs> or with other members of the staff. Um, I... I I do a thing, and I've always done, done this. Josh can Josh can tell you. Um, I tend to sort of take on as many things as possible until I crack. Uh, and while I am personally fine, and my wife is fine, between babies and work, we're, uh, we're we might be a little bit over our skis ourselves here. So if I'm not around uh, during certain parts of the second half of, of December, that is why. Um, you know, we're doing good stuff over at Mavs Moneyball. Though I think uh, you know, not enough games means not enough stuff. To- <laughs> yeah, um, which is which is a little frustrating, but that you know that'll get rectified real quick. Do you do you have anything else? No, no, I think that's it. Uh, I mean, one thing I want to say before we go is I know we've talked about Luca a lot, but I feel like I just really want to emphasize how good he was this game because I, Kirk, I know you know this, but I feel like. Some people that like to criticize our podcast, which is fine if you want to, you know, I'm not trying to deny criticism, sure. but there is kind of a trend of in our recaps and our podcast. Sometimes we don't talk about Luca maybe as much as we should because there's kind of been that built in, like, oh, well, he just he does this all the time. Like, yep. like it's almost more interesting to talk about the other stuff because Luca being a demigod on the floor is like a built-in expectation at this point yep. and we'll get comments on recaps that's like wait why didn't you talk about luca's 35 point triple double and it's like because he does it every game sorry like we're trying to talk about some other guys but i just want to emphasize like this was i mean that was a breathtaking first half for me. it was it was it was an all-time uh, i mean you're right 24 right. minutes of basketball I, I forgot to do it this Thanksgiving, but one of the things I do almost every Thanksgiving and has have since we draft since the Mavericks won or like drafted Luca is I share on Thanksgiving. Um, I've done this for like four <laughs> years in a row. I share the podcast from the night that the Mavericks drafted Luca, where I'm just and I, I am just drunk as I am so drunk during this podcast <laughs> because pretty, I was pretty well. I don't so think happy and listening to this podcast and our expectations for what we had hoped for from Luca. We had lofty expectations, lofty. He has destroyed those. We were like, like I, I listened to it. I listened to it a couple of weeks ago. Cause I really, I was like, Oh, 
we had hoped for Luca to be an all-star by the time he was like 27. <laughs> really? We, yeah, we had like like we never talked about all NBA stuff. We never talked about you know, like our, for his rookie year, we had like lo, like ridiculous stuff, like sixteen four and four. I'm, I remember that. <laughs> you know, like where it's like, yeah, we're gonna go, and you know, then he comes on just just like he's completely reset the timeline. There was a there's a podcast coming out tomorrow, but I've I've seen the bulk of it. The matters to us. Uh, it's up on Mavs Moneyball. Chris Dats Porzingis uh, talking about he and Luca's kind of relationship and his time with the Mavericks, and what's so clear listening to that because the Mavericks traded for Chris Dats during Luca's rookie year when he had, he was good, but he hadn't blown up. It's very clear that Chris Apps thought he was coming to be the guy and Luca was going to be his sidekick. And he hints at that. He, it's not, that's yeah. Not really, yeah. He kind of, kind of hints and, at it a little bit. Well, I mean, it, like, yeah, I have, I had a, have kind of a lot of disdain for Chris Apps. <laughs> no, but this podcast changed my mind about a lot of stuff. Um, he was very, very candid. Yep. And what I kept coming back to is I was like that first season, they were 16 and five to open the year. Then Luca or then Chris Dapps got hurt. Then Luca got hurt. Um, and then COVID happened and then mm-hmm. they're in the bubble together and they, you know, Chris Dapps tears his knee. I mean, in hindsight, we never really got to see them together in a, in a meaningful way. Uh, we, we saw glimpses and it was kind of shocking, but it's you know when when you're talking about us not talking about Luca enough, I think about how much he has really grown and improved in ways that we don't give credit to because everyone, including us, even the staunch Luca defenders, have unbelievable expectations for him. It's yeah. it, you know, fan one two three in the chat says four straight All NBA first teams, soon to be five straight, and this is his sixth year. Like. Yeah ridiculous this is, yeah. is all time stuff and you're right we don't talk about it enough yeah i just wanted to get that out there good man josh because i know there's co- we get the comments on every recap when luca's not one of the main points and it's like what about luca and it's just like you're right but it's just funny it's just funny how it's built in so so lior i don't want to mess up this guy's name but but leorio it it Bardo in the chat says that you know uh talking about Matisse Thibel uh who is it's like a revenge game even though Portland signed him um matched his yeah. offer wasn't really a thing um I I have a really weird take that I I I was very anti Matisse Thibel because I don't think he's a good defender I think he's a good defender when there's a great back line like Joel Embiid an all NBA kind of guy mm-hmm. with how good Lively looks with how good Lively looks, I cannot help but wonder if Matisse might have worked out better than I thought. Is that ridiculous? No, I don't think so. I mean, look at Derek Jones Jr. And mm-hmm. you just, I think actually Derek Jones Jr., if you were comparing the two uh, before this season, they were, I would say Jones Jr. is a better basketball mm-hmm. player. Cause I mean, there's some numbers with Thibel that are just like outrageous. Like he just doesn't rebound. He's like the most allergic to offense player in the history of the game. It feels yeah. like, like, I mean, he benefited from being stats. able like the, play the, with Embiid and yeah. the Sixers guys that I know basically say he, he was able to, he was able to indulge all of his worst impulses as a defender, like just constant gambling and being able to do stuff like that because he played with such a good backline defender. Yeah. And 
I don't know. I really like Lively's just dope. So it's like it makes me wonder if it would work. Oh um, yeah. I, I still know. I still believe the take that every player like a Thibel, like Jones, like those mm-hmm. athletic minded wings that might not have a consistent jumper need to call their agents and be like, How do I get to Dallas and yep. play with Luca so that I can get the most wide open three pointers of my life? and get a nice fat contract afterward. Yeah. Like yeah. Salam in the, in the chat says, uh, Derek Jones Jr. Is a better fit by far. I agree, but it's also, they could have had both, <laughs> you know, to, to, to put to, yeah. to Dalton Triggett. I wonder if there's a list of like quasi crappy wings that I'm like, who, <laughs> who could the Mavericks go after that would like make us all kind of like vomit, but then Luca would turn into a pretty good, pretty good player. That'd be an know. interesting post. Oh, shout out to Lauren Gunn. She she would have done this for (laughs) Lauren Gunn would have done this for us back in the day. Um, I don't know, just something something that's on my mind. Anyway, all right, I think I should go. Uh, As you guys saw, my wife arrived home um, and took the baby from me. I should go see how that's going um, and hope (laughs) that I am still married. Uh, She is a patient woman with me, guys. uh, Again, I apologize for the baby stuff. Just going to be part of part of things until uh, I get into more of a routine, which isn't going to happen until like month three because that's how babies work. Uh, All right. Kirk Henderson, Josh Bowe, this has been Pod Maverick After Dark, and uh, thank you so much for hanging out. I'm not going to do a second stream tonight. Uh, I, I probably should, just because it helps our numbers. And but I just I'm I'm wiped. So, all right, we'll be back Friday night with a late game, and we'll see what's going on. Everybody, uh, enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll talk soon. Go Mavs! Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.